Rock Church. How's everybody doing? <laughs> hey, seriously, I'm uh, thankful that everybody's here. Thursday night, little happy hour at the Rock. So whether you're here in person, watching online, watching on demand, at J. Rubin, wherever you're at, man, we are thankful for you. Would y'all just celebrate all of our people at J. Rubin right now? So give it up and, and glad you're part of it. So if you are new on this campus, I would encourage you to make sure that you do get connected. Use that QR code in your chair or stop by the connect wall. All right. Now, I, I want to start, uh, and I just want to encourage everybody. I, I guess I just want to say let's play a little game together. Um, if you have a phone, uh, which most of you do, I, I want you to go ahead and uh, pull that out. And uh, Now, if you have a flip phone, you do not have to play. Um, <laughs> But everybody's got a smartphone. Just go ahead and turn on your flashlight for a second. Yours doesn't work. That's not okay. <laughs> everybody's got their flashlight. <clears throat> All right, good. Like, feel like, man, I feel like I'm back at a Def Leppard concert. This is great. <laughs> um, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to put it down like on your lap. Perfect. How many people like the cold weather? Yeah, you can put your flashlights down. <laughs> but you get what we're doing. That's perfect. Now let's really participate. Have you ever felt like you don't matter or what you do doesn't matter? Yeah. You ever get worried or anxious about things? Stressed or burnt out? Have you suffered a loss this year and you're grieving somebody you loved and still love? Yeah. That you sometimes feel lonely or that you're in a dark place of depression? that you know somebody, you love somebody who attempted or succeeded at committing suicide. Yeah. Or maybe even you, at different points in your life or even right now, would say that you've thought about hurting yourself. This is what I'm trying to get at. You're not alone. Can I just start right there and just say that you're not alone? Hopefully you were able to see around the room. We're not alone. That, that as we asked the questions, tons of lights went up, and as the lights went up, what you were saying is, yeah, yeah, I deal with worry and anxiety. Yeah, I, I deal with loneliness. Yeah, I, I deal with, with stress. Yeah, uh, I, I've had someone close to me pass away in the last year. Yeah, I, I've thought about hurting myself, or I know somebody who did hurt themselves. That, that I wanted us to do that for two reasons. First, that, that I wanted you to see 
that you're not alone. And that there's people all around this room who are in a boat with you. Like from the very beginning of this series, we said we have to acknowledge that we're not alone. The second thing that we said when we started this series is that it's time to be honest with God, with ourselves, and with others that we struggle with some mental health things. And what you just did by doing that is you put it in the light. And there's a big victory that happens when you go from darkness to light and you say, I'm going to put this in the light that I'm struggling because I'm, I'm grieving a loss of a loved one. I'm struggling because I have worry, anxiety in my life. What you're doing every time you did that is you're being honest with yourself and with God and with others. And that's what this series is about. Specifically today, talking about this idea of depression and even suicide. That depression and suicide, so many of us have either dealt with it personally or know people that deal with it. And oftentimes, depression and suicide, uh, that, that they don't have to go together, but they can go together, and they stem from isolation. As my time as a pastor and working with people and especially teenagers that, that I, I've seen over and over the idea of isolation and how the isolation leads to a darkness and depression. And I can think through a lot of different conversations I've had with people, but, but a couple really come to my mind today. Oh, and, and I carry them in my Bible. Now, y'all see me in my, my new preaching Bible, which is digital, but, but this is my old preaching Bible. The reason I don't preach from it anymore is now you get it, but, but there's a lot of memories in this Bible. I have a letter taped in it from a student in my youth ministry from years ago. I don't know if you know this, but I tried to kill myself. I blame it not on one person. I blame it on the crappy world we live in. I tried to kill myself for a lot of reasons. One reason was I was lonely. I wasn't good enough for anyone. And I cried every night. His name was Troy. This is a letter from a guy named Jamie. Now, Jamie, I'll be honest, in all of my years of ministry, he's one of the guys that freaked me out more than any other. Some of you here who have been at The Rock for a while, you've, you've heard this story. Jamie's a guy who freaked me out because he broke all the rules. With me, he broke two major rules. The first one is he broke the bathroom rule. See, as dudes, we don't talk in bathrooms. Girls, I know you don't get this because y'all talk. Like y'all talk so much here, here, here at our Conway campus, we have chairs in the female bathrooms, okay? But I'll just let you know, you can walk into a dude's bathroom, no chairs. We got all kinds of cool stuff and gum and all that. I am looking, I'm just gonna go ahead and say this right now, I am looking for a giant elk 
or buffalo head because that's the next thing I want to put in the men's bathroom. I'm casting some vision, hoping somebody will go, Josh, I know where we can get one, okay? But let me back to the story. Is Jamie broke all the rules. Uh, one night I was at Walmart and, and I was standing at a urinal because that's what guys do, and he came in and not only did he start talking to me, he chose the house next door. And every guy knows you don't choose the house next door, you choose the house down the street when there's a bunch of vacant houses. Again, ladies, you have no clue what I'm talking about. And that's okay. But, but anyway, so he starts talking to me. I'm like, this is weird. And, and we talk for a while. He's like, hey, can I come into your office and talk to you? I was like, yeah, that'd be no problem. So first rule he broke as he was in the bathroom talking to me. Second rule is when he came into my office as we were talking, he started to undress himself. I don't mean like he took off his jacket. Like he started stripping. And I'm just like, whoa. When he got his shirt off, he revealed from shoulder to shoulder nothing but burns and cuts from self-harm. And now I knew why he was sitting there. At one area of his chest, about right here, he had a massive scar, and he said, that's where I tried to kill myself. I was like, Jamie, what's going on? And he goes, well, I drink every day. I'm depressed every day. And I cut myself, and I burn myself with lighters because the physical pain numbs the emotional pain. But nothing I'm doing is working I'm dying, and I need help. And we got him connected to some individuals for a while. But after a while, he stepped out of that, those relationships. He stepped out of those groups. And it was then when he wrote that letter, this letter, that he said, I'm glad the church is growing. I'll just read it. Thanks for the letter, because I'd sent him a letter. He said, but the truth is, I'm still lost. I'm glad the church is growing, but I still drink every day, still stick razor blades in my arms, lighters to my chest, and shame on my heart. I'm glad you're growing, but I'm dying. Jamie. And I hate that I wasn't able to help Jamie. And thus the reason I carry this letter around some 20 years later. A kid in my youth group back in the 90s, a guy in our church uh, back in the 2000s that still goes with me, still sits in my office because it's a reminder that we're not okay. It's a reminder that depression and suicide and self-harm attacks us. And it often attacks us in isolation, because I don't know if you notice it, about, but both letters said, I'm alone. When we're alone, when we get disconnected, that's when depression hits. And when depression hits, sometimes it'll take us to a place of unhealth that leads us to thoughts or actions of self-harm or even suicide. 
There were some studies done, and I, I want to just read these studies to you, two different studies. The first one is this. It says, in, in the 1990s, all right, so we're going back some time. In the 1990s, school shootings led to a landmark Dartmouth Medical School research study titled Hardwired to Connect. It was released in 2003 by 33 children's doctors, research scientists, and mental health and youth service professionals. All right, now I'm making sure you hear when it was and who it was by before I go any further. Released in 2003 by Dartmouth University, this is what it says. What is the crisis? Question mark. The crisis comes in two parts. The first part is the deteriorating behavioral mental health of U.S. children. We are witnessing high and rising rates of depression, anxiety, attention deficit, conduct orders, thoughts of suicide, and other serious mental, emotional, and behavioral problems among U.S. children and adolescents. 20 years ago, they were saying depression and suicide and things of that nature are on a rise. Before the iPhone came in 2007, which changed everything when it comes to social behavior, right? Before the internet was what it was, before social media was what it was, before COVID hit, before all of these things, it was already on the rise. And how much worse has it gotten? And I want you to hear the the last part of the study. It says this. The report concludes that the main cause of the crisis in American childhood and adolescence is a lack of connectedness, i.e. close connections to, and then it lists it out, to other people, connections to moral living, and connections to spiritual faith. Dartmouth University, a secular university, said that depression is on the rise because we're disconnected from each other, moral living, and God. If the secular universities are noticing it, how much more should we? Here's another study. This came straight out of um, the book that I've been highly recommending uh, to y'all. It's on our resource page called Out of the Cave. It says this, investigative journalist Johan Hari interviewed the world's leading experts on depression and concluded its primary cause uh, stem from a variety of different disconnections. Based on scientific evidence, Hari identified nine disconnections contributing to depression. Disconnection from meaningful and purposeful work, disconnection from meaningful relationships with other people, disconnection from personal values and intrinsic rewards, disconnection caused by trauma in childhood, disconnection from self-worth and self-respect, disconnection from the natural world, disconnection from the hope for a better future, disconnection in the body and the brain due to genetics, and disconnection in the body and the brain due to trauma. Nine different disconnections that they list there that lead to depression. And I don't know if you caught it, two of them are from the biological bucket. 
Two of them, all right? Two of them are from the biological bucket or what we call the medical bucket. You can see the bucket illustration over there if you haven't been with us. And two of them definitely need to be treated in a medical way. The other seven are primarily from the circumstantial or you could see it from the spiritual bucket. What we see in all nine of them, though, is disconnection. That depression often stems when we get disconnected. And that's the reason, as a church, almost weekly you hear here, get connected to Jesus and others. Am I right? Do you hear us saying that from this stage, this platform, all the time? That when you get connected to Jesus and others, you find what matters. That you need to be connected. Because when we're disconnected from Jesus, when we're disconnected from others, it is at those times that if we're not careful, it'll lead us towards a path of depression or maybe even self-harm. And we see that in Elijah. For, for three weeks now, we've been looking at Elijah, and we're going to go back and look at his story again. We're going to read some of the same text again, and we're going to pull different things from it uh, today. That, that in Elijah, this is what we see. It's Elijah chapter, uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. It says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Remember, I've said this oftentimes, mistake. He put himself in isolation. Then he went on alone, mistake, into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Like right here in this passage, we see that Elijah disconnected himself from others, and in the midst of his disconnection, he had suicidal thoughts. Now, now if, if you dig deep into the story, it, it, was, it was thoughts of depression, it was thoughts of self-harm. Now, it was at the point where he wasn't willing to say, like, I want to take my life, but he did say, God, like, God, you can, though. Like, like, I'm at that point now, God, if you want to just end it, if you just want to make my life easier, you can just go ahead and do that. And my fear is that there's some of us who have thought that. Or you have friends, people close to you who have. It's a tragedy going on right now. While I'm preaching this message, three people in America will commit suicide. Just while I'm preaching. While we're doing this church service, a veteran will commit suicide. Before we get home, a teenager will have committed suicide. That once every 30 seconds, a teenager attempts suicide. That's not okay. 
Like, I want you to hear that. And I know I'm slowing down. I know I'm pausing. Because I don't know everybody's story. But my fear is that there might be somebody in here, there might be somebody at Jay Rubin right now, that, that you go, I'm Troy. I'm the teenager. I'm the one feeling alone and I'm thinking some unhealthy thoughts. That, that you might be the Jamie who, who's the adult who's been hurting yourself and just wanting to die. And I want you to hear from my heart. I want you to hear from this church's heart. And I think I can say this. I want you to hear from the heart of Jesus that you matter. And you're not alone. You're not alone. The depression that you're walking through is, is gripping and it can, it can be dark, and it can be bleak, and it can cause you to have thoughts that are unhealthy. Thoughts that, that I can say this, that are not okay. Like if you're thinking about harming yourself, that's not okay. It's okay to not be okay, but the thought of harming yourself, that's not okay. That I want you to hear that because I want you to hear how much you matter to Jesus. That he says that you have value. That he says he knows the hairs on your head. That he says he knows your every move, your every thought. That he says that you matter. And if he says it, that means it. Whether you believe it or not. Are you with me on that? Like some of you are older like me and you remember the old bumper sticker that said, Jesus says it, I believe it, that settles it. That's wrong. Jesus says it, that settles it. Doesn't matter what you believe on whether it's true or not. If Jesus said it, that settles it. So that means I simply need to believe it. Does that make sense? not in my notes, so I hope it makes sense. <laughs> I want you to hear that you matter. And in that moment, Elijah was struggling, going, well, I don't matter, Jesus. You can, you can just take my life. And I, and I want you to see it from Elijah's side that he was on a mountaintop, and the issue was that he went from the mountaintop down to the valley. And that's oftentimes when depression hits us. That will have a mountaintop experience. Something great will happen in our life. Maybe you'll be on a spiritual high. And then the next thing you know, you, you just out of nowhere, the valley hits. Like, like it happens in life. I know it's happened in my life all the time. I, I, I saw it especially that every time I'd go to camp with our high school students, that our high school students would get on a mountaintop. They'd just be on a mountaintop. And the reason they were on a mountaintop is they were connected to Jesus at camp. They are connected to others at camp. Mountaintop experience. And the minute we would come home, the valley. Something would happen in a kid's life or in my life, right? As soon as I'd get back, I'd get a call from a parent who was upset, right? There's like 99 kids, incredible experience. One kid had one thing wrong and a parent calls. And it's like mountaintop, valley, right? 
It's not just camp. I thought, I, well, I'm, I don't go to the student ministry. I'm not a student pastor anymore. I kind of am, but not, you know what I mean? But, but I'm not camp anymore. So, so now, like, like in the summertime, I go on vacation, right? Here, here's how my life works. This is no joke. Every summer, I'll go on a vacation with my wife. And while I'm on vacation with my wife, I'll, I'll do a vacation slash study break. And I'm on a mountaintop. Enjoying time with her, enjoying time with the Lord, writing sermons, writing messages. And I remember I was writing this message. This message was written in about the third week of June. Okay? I was down on a beach in Florida writing this message, typing it. And as I was typing this message, I remember talking about the mountaintop to the valley. And literally, if you go look at my notes, again, typed in June, I wrote mountain to valley. Yep. It always happens because the last three years, I'd be on a mountaintop with God in June. And the minute I would get back, July sucked. There's no other way of saying it. Three years in a row, I would hit the valley. Something horrible was happening in July. It was a valley that I was coming back to. All right, not back to it, just I get here and it hit. And no joke, I'm not making this up. In my notes, I typed capital letters, not this year, because it was June. I typed them, I'm like, man, I'm gonna speak it into existence, I'm gonna have positive self talk, not this year. I got home from my vacation on June 30th, and on July 1st, hell broke loose in my family. Some of the hardest mental health struggles that we've been through in years. Here's what I'm trying to say. There'll be times you're on the mountain and there'll be times you hit the valley. And we all get mountaintops and we all get valleys. When you're in the valley, like Elijah was, how do you navigate it? How do you stay healthy? How do you fight the depression? How do you fight the darkness? How do you make sure that you don't allow your mind to go towards self-harm? Well, let's learn from him right here. And this is where we get real practical. And the practical comes straight from the text, all right? That, That if you want to be healthy, if we want to be mentally healthy, especially in this area of depression, then, then, then what we have to do is get help by reconnecting. And here's how you do it. You reconnect physically, spiritually, and relationally. That I've got to get reconnected physically, spiritually, and relationally. And so I want us to walk through this, but, but, but I want us to walk through it, and I want you to keep this in mind. I'm going to share these things with us, and these are things that we can put in play, but it is not like I'm going to say this, and then in 20 minutes, we're, we're going to be done with the message, and we're going to walk out and go, yep, it's all good now. No. These are things we put in place so that we can take step after step After step, because a long obedience in the right direction will bring about health. So we got to get healthy by reconnecting physically. Let me go back to the text. Here's what it says. 
Then he lay down and slept under a broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. And then he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank, and he lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more, for the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. So he got up, and he ate, and he drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And I I don't know if you see it in the text there, but in the text, what what it specifically says or, or leads us to understand is that Elijah needed to get healthy physically. And here's what he did. He took a nap. And sometimes the best thing you can do to step out of depression and to get healthy is get some sleep. Like maybe what you need to do is go home and sleep well tonight. Maybe tomorrow you need to take a nap. And some of you are like, yeah, I got to go to work. Lunch break. Go out to your car. Kick the chair back, okay? Seriously. We got to get reconnected physically. And in that text, we see the three things he did. And the first one was he took a nap. By that, I simply mean we gotta start getting some better sleep. For some of us, that means putting the phone up. Not just like when we go to bed, like some of us sleep with the phone in our bed. Some of us are on the phone as we're laying in bed. What we need to do is put the phone up. But maybe what you need to do when you put the phone up is put the phone up long before you even go to bed. Maybe pick up a book, maybe slow down, maybe do some things a little different. That, that maybe you need to turn off the TV. Rather than going to bed with the TV on, turn off the TV. And I know you're going to be like, yeah, but I got to have some noise. Buy a noise machine, okay? All right, do something like that and, and just allow the, the waterfall or the white noise or something to bleed out everything else. Maybe what you need to do is get some blackout curtains, turn off the lights, and put one of those masks on, all right? Do whatever, but get some good rest. Sometimes what you need to do is not set an alarm. Now, I know not everybody has that luxury, all right? But there's days in my life where I'm like, I don't have a morning meeting, or, or it's a Friday, which is my day off, and so I, no, I'm turning the alarm off. I'm not setting the alarm. I'll wake up when my body says, get up. Others of us, the depression, depression is real, and your problem is, is I can't get out of bed. So the opposite is true there. Do all the other things to get good rest, but for you, set the alarm. And say, at this point, when this alarm goes off, I'm getting out of bed because I've got the adequate sleep, and now it's time to get busy. That I got to get healthy physically, which in the scripture, you saw it, it was uh, get some sleep, and then here's a beautiful thing, eat some good bread. Can I just say that again? Eat some good bread, because good bread can change a life, can it? Are you with me? Chris and I were at a restaurant last night, and I didn't know they gave free bread. I'm like, oh, I'm coming back. They got Diet Coke and free bread. I'm in. Because to me, ain't nothing better than good bread, all right? But, but seriously, on the, on the food side, maybe, maybe change your diet, all right? 
Maybe put up some of the carbs, which I know is opposite of the bread. Um, Put up some of the processed food. Start eating some produce. Maybe drink a little water. Like, do some things that are healthy. And then the last thing you saw he did is he went on a journey, all right? So he got some exercise. He walked, all right? And we need to get some exercise. Go ride a bike. Take a walk. Go golfing. Not in a golf cart, but actually walk, all right? Go to the gym. Do some yoga. Stretch, all right? Anything. Not to lose weight, all right? If you happen to lose weight because you started eating healthier and started exercising, great. That's not why I say to do it. I say to do it because when we exercise, it helps this. And you might be going, okay, Josh, why? Like, you came to preach a sermon. Why are you telling me I need to start eating right and sleeping right and, and getting some exercise? Well, one, because that's what Elijah did. But secondly, a good friend of mine, his name's Dr. West. Uh, he's a counselor and a life coach. And several of the guys on our staff, we, we've all went to him and we've all seen him, all right? And one of the things that he says is one of the most important things for your mental health is physical health. If you want to be healthy mentally, you got to get healthy physically. So, so first step I would tell you is just do what Elijah did and get some rest, get some good food, and exercise a little bit. Reconnect physically, but then also reconnect spiritually. Let me go on to another scripture. This is all part of the story. We just haven't really read it yet. All right, it starts in verse nine. It says this, it says, there, and remember, he went to the Mount Sinai. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you and torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets, and I am the only one left, and now they want to kill, trying to kill me too. We've read that part, but here's the next part. Go out. And stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And Elijah stood there. The Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then after the fire there was a sound of a gentle whisper. What you have is Elijah, that he goes up on Mount Sinai, and he goes there to meet with God. And as he's looking for God, he he hears God, and then God says, hey, I'm going to show myself to you. And the earthquake comes, and you can imagine Elijah's like, yes, this is what I need. I need the power of God. But God wasn't in the earthquake. The wind comes through. Oh, yeah, God, the, just the, the wind, the breath of God. Here, No, God wasn't in the wind. The fire, oh, the Lord's in the fire. He's always in the fire, but he wasn't in the fire. It was a gentle whisper. It was a gentle whisper where God whispered in Elijah's ear again, hey, what are you doing? And the truth that I want you to see in this is for Elijah to hear the voice of God, he had to draw close, right? When somebody whispers, it's a sound of intimacy, 
But it also means this. To really hear a whisper, you got to draw close. And I think for some of us, what's happened is depression has hit, the darkness has hit, the, 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 the sadness has hit, the loneliness has hit, and what that is causing is a separation from God, where you feel like you're, you're alienated from God, you feel like you're distant from God, you're thinking, I've got no joy of the Lord, so, so, so God just must be, maybe have abandoned me, and what you need to do is draw close into God, because what God wants to do is whisper in your ear. So re- Connect with him. I love some of the scriptures about reconnecting with him. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again and again, my Savior, my God. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. Second Corinthians says, he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will able to give them the same comfort God has given us. That we need to reconnect spiritually to the whisper of God. That when I have darkness in my life, when I have depression in my life, when I have uh, thoughts of self-harm in my life, that I got to make sure I'm reconnecting physically, but I got to make sure I'm reconnecting spiritually and I'm listening for the voice of God. Because Elijah had disconnected himself from God. And now he was coming back into the whisper of God, into the presence of God. And how do we really do that? Go back to last week. Right? Pray, praise, pursue. You start at the first one, pause, pray, praise, and pursue him. Reconnect spiritually. And then lastly, I'll say this, reconnect relationally. See, again, the big problem with Elijah is that he had stepped out of relationship with others. He had left his servant in Beersheba, so he was walking in isolation. And remember, isolation often leads us towards thoughts of elimination. So we've got to stay connected relationally. And that's the reason I love what, what God did here. He whispered into his ear, and then he also said this. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. <clears throat> and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel to replace you as my prophet." And then he went on to say, and then remember that there's 7,000 other people who have never bowed a knee to a false god. Here's what God is saying. Is he saying, Elijah, you're alone. You've allowed yourself to get disconnected from other people. 
And you can't live that way. You've got to get connected to others. So I want you to remember these two guys, anoint them as kings because they're on your side and you can be connected to them. That, that I want you to find this guy named Elisha and I want you to make him a, a mentee of yours that you're going to mentor him because he's going to be the next prophet of Israel. And then I want you to remember there's 7,000 other people who are in this boat with you. You're not alone. So don't function alone. Don't live alone. Don't walk alone. Don't do life alone. Get connected to these people I'm giving you an opportunity to connect with. And that's what we got to do as a church. We got to be connected. Because when we're not connected, things, things just don't work real well. Elijah had to get connected. He needed people in his life. And think about Moses. Moses had Joshua in his life. Moses also had Aaron and her. There was one time that uh, Moses was doing this big battle. He had this big thing that God had called him to do, and he lost all his strength. And Aaron and her held up his arms. And for some of you right now, you're walking through life, and you're just like, I, I, I just can't make it. And you needed somebody to come and lift up your arms with you and hold you up strong. Even Jesus said, I'm not doing life alone. He put 12 guys in his life. There was a time that he went away to pray. And Jesus, remember, he's the best at praying. And he said, I can't pray on my own on this one. I need you to come with me. I need you to stand guard. That you got to pull people into your life. Again, I remember writing this message in June and I could feel the attack of the enemy because I was thinking back to the previous Julys. I was feeling the depression hit. I immediately text three guys in my life. Like I'm on vacation, I'm on study break. I don't connect with anybody except my wife and God on study break, but I immediately text three guys. One of them is a guy named Jim and it was a group chat. None of them know each other. And I didn't even take time in the message to explain who everybody was. I just said, you guys are in my life. I need you to pray. One of them's a guy named Jim who lives in Illinois, who's one of my mentors. He's an older gentleman. Uh, another guy is a guy named, I call him Chief. Uh, he lives in Aner and goes to our Aner campus. And the other one was Darren, who's in the back of the room, and he leads our prayer ministry here on this campus. And I said, I just need prayer right now. And they replied, on it. They, they didn't say what exactly is going on. They're like, we got you. And they just start praying. We got to have people in our lives who can hold up our arms, who can go before the Father. That's the reason we do things like Pathway. It's a great on-ramp to the church, helps you learn more about Jesus and helps you learn more about Scripture. But what it really does is get you connected to Jesus and other people. It's the reason we do Regen is because Regen is a small group ministry that gets you connected to other people. It's the reason that we do ministries because we get you connected to other people. It's the reason we have small groups all throughout the, the county because it helps you get connected to other people because you can't do life alone. You can't do life alone. So here, here's what I want us to do. I want us to go into this time of response. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand with me. And as we stand, <clears throat> I want us to take a step.
Because today is all about taking a step. Remember, I didn't say like you're going to wrap up tonight and it's going to be perfect, it's all done, no big deal. No, what we're going to do is we're going to learn to take some steps. And for you, maybe tonight is a, is a night where you go, hey, I need to start taking some steps to reconnect physically. Well, make some decisions to do that. But during this time of worship, what you can do is reconnect spiritually and you can reconnect relationally. Maybe you need to go to a prayer corner. Darren's standing over in the corner. I know he'd love to pray with you over there. There's others of us that'll be in this connect corner. We'd love to pray with you there. Maybe it's time to connect with Jesus through communion. Let's take steps today to connect with Jesus. Jesus, I come before you. And I just pray in this moment that you go before us and help us to get reconnected to you and each other. In your name, Jesus, amen. Let's get reconnected tonight.